Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strawn and Allie. Hey guys. Hello, everybody. Do you notice anything about this episode that seems out of the ordinary? Is there, as you are looking at this, because this is on YouTube, so if you're listening to the audio version, (laughs) go ahead and go to our YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C slash Let's Get Haunted. Now, one of these things is not like the other. What is going on, Natalia? Do you want to explain? Okay, you guys, I have this special chair at home. I've talked about this on previous episodes. Yes, you have. I ordered this chair when we were doing our quarantine uh, remote recordings because it was just so comfortable. I was getting like so much back pain and neck pain. Mm -hmm. And the other day, I got even more back pain and neck pain. I think it's from breastfeeding the baby because you're like down like this. And I felt this sharp pain in my back. And then I couldn't turn my head to the right like that, like hurt so bad. This hurt bad. This hurt bad. I took a bunch of a leave. And then it seems to have gotten like 50% better. I'm not sure. But I couldn't. I can't. I can't do it anymore. So I brought my chair to the studio mm-hmm. today and mm-hmm. I told Alyssa when I first got in here that I wanted to kill myself because I had to walk down this busy street wheeling around this chair. Uh-huh. And at first I had these bunny ears that are on the back of it. Let me just paint this picture for people who don't aren't please, watching. Please, please. The chair is an actual bunny. Like it, it has like furry. You can't see them. The oh, yeah. Here. It has like ears on it and like furry armrest and there's literally a bunny tail on the back now when this is in your kawaii home office it doesn't mm-hmm. feel out of the ordinary right it, it honestly seems standard seems standard yeah seems you know even you see good. it every day yeah yeah it, it brings seems- you joy exactly it's cute now when you unload that out of your car and there's a bunch of strangers especially strange men just staring at you as you wheel your pink bunny chair <gasps> down the streets of la uh-huh. into an office building where you have to give someone your name and there are professionals coming out of that office building right. looking at you uh-huh um, you do feel like a trash person from the well, garbage dump. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, a trash podcast, as everyone knows. Yes. Welcome to Let's Get Haunted. So I think it's actually very fitting, but I am kicking myself. When you told me you were bringing a chair, yeah, I literally had a conversation with Rashad off camera right now, you guys, is our engineer for the day, Rashad. Yes. And I said to him, hey, uh, Nat just texted me. She said she's almost here and she's bringing a chair. And we looked at each other and I was like, she must mean that she's bringing like something to put on the chair. Like surely she's not bringing an entire chair. It's probably like a lumbar support pillow or some other type of pillow. And then it became increasingly apparent as time went on that you had brought not only a chair, but possibly the world's largest chair. But you guys, you guys need to try to sit in this chair. Alyssa sat in this right before this episode, and let me let tell you tell us your thoughts about sitting in this chair. Okay, for me it felt unnatural, but that's because I have bad posture, and when I'm like tippy tap typing for these episodes, or generally if I'm recording and we're not on camera, this is how I sit. I sit like right. this, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. So I can see how it would be useful to have a chair that forces you to sit upright. It does. It's it's good for the soul, but yeah, the bony ears. I I, I you know what. Whatever. Just let them live, I guess. What are you looking at right now? I'm looking at Rashad's screen. Oh, you can see yourself on the screen? I can see, yes. I was like, does she think the camera's over there? The camera's up here. Oh, okay. Oh, should I play to the camera? Hello, everyone. Okay. (laughs) 
Well, welcome back to Let's Get Haunted. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Yes, guys. Thank you so much. This is our second ever video podcast. Mm -hmm. If you are listening to the audio only version, you should continue to listen to the audio only version. Give us a stream on whatever your platform of choice is and then go to our YouTube and watch that. Yeah, because Alyssa said if our if this cannibalizes and I quote Alyssa said Alyssa. If this cannibalizes our uh, streams from other platforms, we will not be able to do the videos anymore. Correct. So, yeah. you guys. I did the math. I did uh, the Excel spreadsheet, and we would literally be paying money to have less views if yeah. if this eats into our other platforms. So, Keep listening to us on Spotify, yes. iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and then also give us a stream or two or seven on yeah. our YouTube channel. Yes, you guys. And make sure you let it play for like five minutes minimum. And just put it on the background because if you tell the algorithm that it like wasn't cool, then they're not going to recommend it to other people. And I know we're getting serious here, but it's because I'm having a lot of fun and I want to continue <laughs> to do our video <laughs> vlog things. I love reading your guys' right. comments. I like went and hearted all of them. So, yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> now, okay, we have two ways that we can go right now with this intro, Natalia. Do you want to do the positive haunting first or the negative haunting first? Positive. Okay, positive haunting, you guys. We have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1658 Camarillo, California, 93011. And I went and picked up some stuff from the P.O. Box. Oh, wow. So, Natalia, if you want to grab one, and I'll grab one. I'm going to grab this. Awesome. I'll go first while Natalia's opening up that package. This comes to us from New Jersey, Krista D. And she wrote us a letter. And that letter says, Hey, ghoulies, my name is Krista and my pronouns are she, her. I wanted to write into the show my appreciation for the show. Thank you so much for the haunted. <laughs> for some reason, I have really bad luck. I always have, but hearing you girlies just describe things as quote unquote haunted has definitely improved my outlook on things. Hmm. I can laugh more easily and deal with it. I'm in the army and I was having a rough year so far. I felt really isolated and sad, but your podcast has helped. Oh. I'm a longtime listener, so hearing the stories and you guys feels familiar. Some people, well, actually they were my peers, were making my life pretty rough because they mm. became my subordinates. Originally, I didn't think that this would be an issue, but my gender proved to be an issue. Hashtag lame. Mm. I really wanted you guys to know how inspiring you are. You're my role models that I think of when I need some female empowerment. It's also nice to hear when you guys struggle with, with the same issues because you're women. I want you guys to know how wonderful and amazing you guys truly are. I've re-listened so many times. This is the only podcast that I constantly recommend. Once I went to McDonald's wearing the sweatshirt and the cashier complimented it. I screamed. <laughs> People usually say it looks cool. Nat, congrats on baby Enzo. Oh, good luck with you. your new family. I hope love and good fortune surrounds you all. Allie, I can't find the right words to write, but it meant the world to hear about your struggles in the rant you did about the attorney, especially because you decided to overcome them. Turn it into a pause and turn it into a positive haunting. Stay spooky. And then it, there's a rip on it. And she said ripped. But it says 
one of your many fans. Yeah. Thank you so much, Krista. Thank you. What a nice letter. Yeah, and thank you for your service. I think that's like really fucking cool that you, well, I'm reading between the lines. I'm just going to assume. I'm not sure if this is what she was saying or not, but I'm assuming that most of your peers are male and you're mm-hmm. female and they're just not like, they're just treating you like you ain't shit. And let me tell you, they ain't shit. As That's we right. all know. That is right. Men Krista. ain't shit. Even though I like used one to have a child. Right. I still am on the fence about whether or not they're shit or not. Right. Exactly. And I'm leaning towards ain't shit. <laughs> yes. And Krista, I can definitely sympathize with you. I also think to some degree when you get promoted uh, your peers are just naturally going to be jealous of, right. of whatever you're doing because you now have the ability to reprimand them. Mm-hmm. So don't feel bad. That's something that happens even if you were like, like I I do human resources for people who are like in their 40s and 50s and it, it never gets better. So I don't know if that's inspirational or not, <laughs> but right. just letting you know that you're getting some experience out of the way early and you're going to be stronger for it and you're going to know exactly how to manage people moving forward. So very proud of you yes. and thank you for your service. Just haters, brush them off. Yeah. Like this. Uh-huh. Put on your sunglasses, block out the haters. Can't see them. Yeah, that's All right. right. Uh, this one's coming to us from... I'll, no, that's you. From <laughs> Sam. What? Oh, this looks haunted as shit. This looks really haunted. I'm scared. Is this... I I always... You know, I don't want to say what I think because it's going to just make it happen one day. Okay. My words are very powerful. I'm just going to say that this is not haunted. This is a good Yeah, this is, this is not cursed. This is not a chicken foot. Okay. Ooh, the presentation here. on this. Wow. Who is this from? Uh, this is from Sam. Sam, the in, presentation. In uh, British Columbia. Nat and Allie. Praise Satan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, starting off strong. <laughs> Praise Satan that this package made it to you guys. Fucking international <laughs> shipping, am I right? Hello from Canada. I just wanted to thank you, spooky bitches, for keeping up with the podcast. <laughs> it's the only podcast I listen to. Well, frankly, because I can't stand anyone else. The, oh, thank The pod you. brings me so much joy and makes me laugh like an idiot while driving to work. It makes me so happy to be a part of the Haunted Fam. Allie, I made you a little Haunted Hostess cupcake because episode oh 56 gosh. was scary as fuck, but your cupcake mentions had me cackling and I got <laughs> through it. Nat, I'm so happy for you that this timeline version of yourself is having a little human. I hope Enzo is a Gemini. My four-year-old is a Gemini. They are crazy as fuck, but also artistic and full of personality. Welcome to the Badass Moms Club. I hope you and Enzo enjoy playing with these finger puppets I made. Cute. Keep slaying lots of love. Haunty Sam. Sam Holbein. At White Witch of the West Coast. That is a sick-ass handle. That's really cute. Okay. How was that not taken already? That's an excellent What is this? It is. What is this? It's a a hostess cupcake, and it says, boo, bitch, and it's wearing a little witch hat. Because do you remember when I talked about how sometimes at 3 a.m., you just need to get up, go over to your sink, and eat a hostess cupcake over the sink like a rat? Look at this. Those are so cute. You guys, they're all just in this Wait, little envelope. Take the, I want to put one on my finger. Yeah. Okay. This is fun. You guys send us interactive things because uh, I have ADD. Okay. I want, I want, you want the dragon here? Okay. I will. Oh ooh, which one do I want? You guys. Oh, man. Oh, my God. 
we're playing with finger puppets right now. The dopamine rush that I'm receiving is just phenomenal. This has also given me an idea. Uh, it's constantly a challenge to engage Natalia in some of these <laughs> stories. And this week I made a PowerPoint for that purpose. But now I'm like, should I just be putting on puppet shows for yes, you? Yes, you guys. Thank you so much. This and is amazing. I know you meant that not as something to excite me, but it did excite <laughs> yeah. me. I was like, yes, yeah, do that. Absolutely. Um, also, I wanted to say Enzo. Enzo is a Taurus. He's not a Gemini, but I am a Gemini. And to be honest, I don't think I could handle another Gemini, (laughs) to be honest. So it's good. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate it. it. Oh, I know what this last one is. So you guys may remember last year we had an article written about us in Voyage LA. Who could forget? Who could forget? (laughs) And this is the paper copy that they sent us. They sent us two. Oh, is this for me? Yes. One for you, one for me. My fiance is going to fucking kill me. He's so tired of this looking at this Let's Get Haunted stuff. That's what you said, that he's like keeps trying to get you to throw stuff out. We just moved, you guys, which is is why I'm on edge because so many things change so fast and it just makes me excited. So this chair he was trying to get rid of because he says it doesn't go with the house. Men, I tell you. Yeah, this is amazing. Love it. Very yeah, cool. frame it and just like put it above your toilet and really like <laughs> fuck with the feng shui of your house. <laughs> okay, are you ready for the negative haunting? Oh, I feel like I know what it is you, knowing Alyssa. Yeah, okay. If you, uh, as a listener right now listening to this episode, if you are in our fan discord, you have already heard the tale that enraged me that I am about <laughs> to tell you right now. Now, as you guys know, because we do talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, we are an independent podcast. Mm-hmm. So most that means we are literally running negative as we do this podcast. Right. Um, we sell merch on our website if you'd like to support the show. But the way that we do the merch is not business savvy at all. What we do is we uh, had a pre-sale for our very first merch drop ever, used that money to make the merch. Then with the profits we made from that first merch drop, we made more merch. Made more merch. So right. it's a self-sustaining <laughs> merch ecosystem where neither of us ever actually makes any money because we just keep making more merch. But we make the Haunted Fam so happy. Yes. Yeah, and we, we make really some do. really cool merch, which is going to be dropping soon, our July merch drop is yes. coming so be on the lookout for that but all of this to say we have talked about before how negative reviews really impact the algorithm for independent podcasts right. because we don't have the ability to just like put out an ad about our podcast to get in new listeners we don't have any connections with networks like I- i'm thinking off the top of my head like wondery is like a really big network that has some paranormal podcasts and true crime podcasts we we don't have any connections at all So when we get bad reviews on Apple Podcasts, it pushes our podcast down. Uh, So like we won't get recommended to people, um, et cetera. So we got a bad review Mm -hmm. uh, this past week. Yes. And Alyssa... You guys, every time there's something said that puts us down, Alyssa sends a screenshot to me and explains why the person who commented it is actually wrong. They, and she's al- and Alyssa's wrong. always right. And I got to say that she's always right. Thank so you. Um, it's it's not like it's coming out of, you know, anywhere uh, other than just the justice for Alyssa act. Justice for Let's Get Haunted. And this especially pissed me off because it has to do with the Lake Lanier episode, which was my episode. And I am going to first read what this uh, review said. And then I'm going to and then I want us to sit in silence while we listen to an excerpt from that podcast. 
Okay, this is a teaching moment for for this person <laughs> who left this review. How lit are you right now? I am I'm sweating. I don't know <laughs> if you guys can tell, but I am livid and I am sweating. Okay, so this review comes from Doc H nine 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 nine, and they say two stars, Lake Lanier. New listener, really like the pod, so I've been listening to older episodes. Pretty disappointed in your coverage of the history of Lake Lanier. The town at the bottom of the of Lake Lanier was a prosperous black community. Black citizens were killed and ran out of their homes. This is why it was so easy to create a lake. The surrounding area is considered a sundown town to this day. This is also where all that bad energy comes from. Be more considerate in the future. Be more thorough in your research. Many paranormal podcasts don't cover stories about POC and rarely include the demographic in discussion. Now, if you have not listened to the Lake Lanier, you might think, wow, that's a really reasonable Mm -hmm. uh, thing that this person just said, you know, really like illuminating, adding some insight. Mm -hmm. Now I'd like us to sit in silence while we listen to an excerpt from that episode. And this trend of unsolved deaths in and around Lake Lanier are said to have actually started in 1912 when an 18-year-old woman named May Crow was found beaten to death in Oscarville, one of the towns that would later become submerged by Lake Lanier. According to locals, Oscarville was a primarily black town with many black-owned homes and businesses. May's death resulted in an uprising by the white townsfolk who would carry out a racial cleansing in May's name. Oh my god. White townsfolk threw the blame for May's death on several black men, despite there being no evidence. After lynching three of the men, they proceeded (gasps) to run all of the other black folks out of the entire county. According to historian George Perkle, a mob of white men pulled the first accused black man out of the jail, dragged him around the square, and hanged his body in the square. Two other black men were then hanged about a half mile from the courthouse. Then, every black man, woman, and child was forced out of the county. Quote, they were told if you don't get out of this county, we're going to burn down your house and kill everyone in it, Perkle said. This event was so historically significant that it was even covered by Oprah at one point. Many people speculate that this racial cleansing is an important element to what would later become the curse of Lake Lanier. Racial tensions in the town surrounding the lake were strained for many years, and in 1980, a black Atlanta firefighter was shot dead in the head near the lake simply for being black. No. What the fuck? 1980? 1980 was the death of the black even yeah but 1912, 1912 even then is too recent for that kind of behavior oh, yeah. well totally and also like when i was kind of skipping around listening to different podcasts about lake lanier and the curse of lake lanier nobody is talking about this part of the curse and i don't know why because it seems very relevant like yeah it seems like the most haunted thing you've told me about exactly and also this is going back to 1912 and like i said this lake um is is covers so many towns right like i talked to you about the farming communities mm-hmm. the rural communities where people were forced off their land and jailed and blah 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 and like that's haunted right but then there's also another town this oscarville town where that has this horribly tragic history of like a mysterious death of a young woman and then throwing the blame on random people and then carrying out a racial like an ethnic cleansing in her name and like that like what like all of these towns have like their own haunted 
shit going on and like i feel like we need to look at all of them in order to understand like why this land might be cursed that lake lanier covered right now it makes sense that the government just drowned it all you know it's it's like the perfect storm of like everything bad you can think of happening in one geographical area and then just flooding it racial cleansing we've got haunted catfish we've got missing bodies we've got suicide death pacts wow okay that was very fun to just feel righteous well i just want to say to doc h nine 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 you need to make more accounts and give us five stars yes because I'm loud and wrong a lot, and I try to make up for it afterwards (laughs) by writing that wrong. Right. Yes. I just want to say when Alyssa, she sent me a screenshot of this, she texted it to me, and then I read through it, and I would just literally quote it to her, and I was like, how mad are you right now? You need to be more thorough with your research. And I also just want to say, like, people make mistakes all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. our turnaround time for these episodes are, like, one to two weeks sometimes Mm -hmm. so it's very possible that we will tell a story at some point that doesn't cover every single aspect of a story and in those cases it's totally fine to tell us like hey did you also know about this you didn't Mm -hmm. talk about this did you know about this what pisses me off about this person is the fact that they didn't even listen to the episode right like how can you review something you didn't even listen to and that's the end of that segment (laughs) called this week's negative haunting I love negative haunting. Yes. Wow. This has just given us so much more freedom. Right now. Natalia, do you have any personal hauntings before we... Uh, Yeah, I do. Well, uh, like, let's see how much time we have. None? You can do, you can do like five okay, minutes. I, I have like one second. I just moved out of my house from the house that I lived in um, and moved to West Hollywood. And I was like really sad about it because you guys, I got pregnant in that house. I had a child in that house, like literally gave birth in that house. And I think most of the time when I move from places, I always feel like, yeah, like good riddance. Like, yeah, bye. Like apartment full of trauma and sadness, like get away from that. And then I just go make more trauma and sadness in a new place. Right. But my life has been better recently. And now I'm starting to understand why people are sentimental and why they like feel sad when they graduate or like move to a new chapter of their life where right. I never felt that before. Oh, you never felt like that before? I like with oh, high man. school, couldn't wait for it. To, with childhood, I'm so couldn't wait for it to be done. High school, couldn't wait for it to be done. College, couldn't wait for it to be done. Boyfriend, gone. Next boyfriend, <laughs> gone. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. continuing to move and move and move. And, and I had like relatively pretty good childhood in high school and college and boyfriends and all those things I just never I guess I never really felt like like my landing spot you know yeah like I yeah like I really feel like now with my new relationship and everything like it's like my landing spot forever Mm -hmm. which I should I guess I'm engaged Um, so yeah I was like kind of sad but then now I moved to West Hollywood and I'm it's like really like I'm really excited about it but I'm also like oh like this is exciting you know it's a new chapter it's a new chapter and those of you guys who aren't from California West Hollywood has like a lot of like queer and gay activity uh, activity it's kind of like the heart for all of that and I'm just like I sometimes when you're bisexual and you're engaged to a man and you've had a child you forget that you're gay if there's any bi people that forget that they're gay when they're in a relationship that's like heteronormative let us know but yeah like and then I am in West Hollywood and I'm like seeing people and around and stuff and I'm like oh fuck like I'm fucking gay as fuck yeah <laughs> I forgot about this <laughs> so yeah it's exciting 
Yeah, it. and it's the close <laughs> of Pride, so I think that that's a perfect note to end on as well. Yeah. Yeah, Pride yeah. is coming to a close, but Pride is forever, you guys. Right. It doesn't have to just be one month. Yeah. And if you think that it has to be just one month, move to West Hollywood. It's gay year-round. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I would like to thank our donors for this week's episode before I forget. I need to shout out Rachel G, Elise F, Amanda S, Samantha P, Stephanie N, Zoe or Zoe S, Alicia C, Elena B, Maria O, Haley A, Nadine W, Kiri, Sophie F, and Paige K. And special shout out to Nadine and Sophie because both of them donated $50. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Yeah, that's that's a lot for us. And that's very special. Thank you. Thank you so so much. much. Um, I would like to thank Amy S, Brielle S, Taylor M, and Sonia B. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much. And if you want to donate to us, you can go to our website, letsgethaunted.com. In the top right corner, there's a donate button that Mm -hmm. goes to the Kofi account. Uh, You can also Venmo me at Nat Strawn or Venmo Alyssa. At USA. Yes. Or you can paypal.me slash Nat Strawn. Or you can cash up at dollar sign Natalia Strawn. And if you heard all that and you're like, I'm never going to remember all that, but I want to donate, um, you can. What can you do? Buy merch. Yeah. yeah. Buy merch. Buy yeah. merch. And now I want to reiterate, the merch goes into its own self-sustaining <laughs> ecosystem that just creates more, more merch. merch. Yeah. But that's fun for us. It gives us like a fun thing to do. You got to spend money to make money. That's, that's what r- I say. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Except for we're not making money. You got to spend money to make merch. Right. Yes. 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 Wow. Wow. Love it. Okay. Are you ready for today's episode? Hit me. Okay. Now, I have a very beautiful PowerPoint for you here that you guys on screen um, or watching this at home should be able to see. Wow. And it starts off with our beautiful logo. Oh, nice. I'm engaged. Multiple senses. Okay. Rashad, when I want you to go to the next one, I'll just point at you if that's okay. Okay, thanks. (sighs) Natalia. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode takes place in a region so chaotic So unpredictable that it borders on the surreal. In fact, the stories arising from this part of the world are so unbelievable, so asinine, that headlines published in local newspapers often go viral, igniting a trend of Instagram accounts, Twitter accounts, games and memes, all based around this one mysterious part of the world. Is this Florida? Long has society ruminated on the question. What could possibly be in the water to make people in this area behave so strangely? (laughs) But despite the collective effort of the world's best scientific and philosophical minds, none have yet been able to answer this question. We are, of course, speaking of the great U.S. state of Florida. Yes, I'm going to love this episode. I'm so excited. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. So for our international audience who may not be familiar with the United States, Florida is the giant fucking red penis at the end of america right right okay that's right florida the state that brought us classic newspaper headlines over the years such as florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon after throwing alligator through wendy's drive-thru window (laughs) florida man breaks into jail to hang out with his friends florida man arrested in local park for practicing karate on swans No. Florida man disguises himself as a bull and tries to burn down his former lover's house using pasta sauce. Wait, what? As a bull? 
Florida man wearing mop on his head terrifies neighbors with his demands for <laughs> eggs. What? <laughs> Florida man can't produce driver's license for police, shows them his mixtape instead. <laughs> and my personal favorite, Florida man says he danced on patrol cars in order to escape the vampires. And here we have an aerial shot from a helicopter. What? Of, of this moment in history. At, at underscore Florida man. I'm going to follow this account. It's wow. Beautiful. Man caught dancing on patrol car. Yes. Oh, my God. But it's can beautiful. you blame them if no. they're vampires? Look, it clearly worked. Has he been eaten by a vampire? No. Has he been murdered by a vampire? It worked. We can clearly see he's alive and well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and this next uh, slide that I'd like you guys to look at. Um, this is the man who put a mop on his head and terrified neighbors for his demands for <laughs> eggs. Could you go to the next slide as well? And that that's the face of a man you can really trust. Wow. You know, he does not look ashamed at all. He no. looks like he's just Why like, should what? He be? why am I in jail right now? He's like, I didn't realize it was illegal to put a mop on your head. And, and ask for eggs yeah, from your neighbors. Right? Come on. Give, right. give, give an egg lover a break. So today's story also <laughs> involves a Florida man. But this man didn't make headlines for eating another man's face off while high on bath salts or for asking a cop where to buy the best meth. Today's story is about a man, or rather a boy, who in the 1960s found himself the sole survivor of an enigmatic attack on one of Florida's most beautiful beaches. What? It is a possible murder mystery, but with an unexpected twist. It is as tragic as it is intriguing, and I'm willing to bet that you've probably never heard of it before. He, someone died on a beach? Someone died on a beach. What happened? Well, first I need to tell you a little bit of background about where our story takes place within Florida. Mm. So if you could go to the next slide, please. Today's story takes place in March of 1965 on the beautiful white sand beaches of Pensacola, Florida. Natalia, do you know anything about Pensacola, Florida? Uh, no, but I do know that f from uh, being someone who's lived in uh, two states with panhandles, people who come from the panhandle are fucked up. Yeah. When Texas panhandle, fucked up. Oklahoma <laughs> panhandle, fucked up. I'm just going to go and venture and say that this is the Florida panhandle and it's fucked up. I mean, I can't argue with that. And actually, you've brought about a really interesting <laughs> conspiracy theory that I've never heard of before. What is making people so fucked up in panhandles? Yeah, someone who lives in a pan... Well, we can't trust what they're saying. That's but... true. Don't answer if you live in a panhandle. Yeah. If you live near a panhandle of a state, I'm interested in your theories. Right. Right. Well, according to Wikipedia, Pensacola is the westernmost city in the Florida panhandle. It is also a seaport located on Pensacola Bay, which connects to the Gulf of Mexico. As of 2019, the population was estimated to be just under 53,000 residents. Pensacola is actually the site of the first Spanish settlement within the United States, established by the Spaniards in the year 1559. This first settlement was eventually abandoned when it was destroyed by a hurricane and not rebuilt until over 100 years later in 1698. It is also the site of another first for the United States, housing the first ever naval air station. Pensacola's location on the Panhandle makes it vulnerable to hurricanes. Hurricanes which have made landfall at or near Pensacola since the late 20th century include Hurricane Eloise in 1975, Frederick in 1979, Juan in 1985, Aaron 1995, Opal 1995, Georges 1998, 
Ivan in 2004, Dennis in 2005, and Sally in 2020. Mm. The most recent of these hurricanes, Hurricane Sally, caused around $29 million worth of damages in Pensacola alone, Mm. and Pensacola's downtown area was flooded. So I want to show you some videos from Hurricane uh, Sally and if you can describe Florida is them. also taking a hard hit. Wind and rain are already, already rather, whipping through Pensacola. And Rob Marciano is there in the middle of it all. Rob? Hey, good morning, Diane. We've been experiencing the right side of the eye wall of Hurricane Sally here for hours as this thing crawls on shore. We're in shin deep water here, but to get here from our hotel, we had to go through waist deep water. At least a five foot storm surge here in downtown Pensacola. And with the winds in the direction they are, this has really no place to go. It's gonna be very slow to drain. It may even come up higher and these winds could very well get stronger as the center gets abreast of us in just an hour or two. This is Main Street. And obviously it looks more like a river with white caps here. The intersection here, we've got crosswinds, wow. we've got debris, there's a traffic Natalia, light do you there. Want to describe there's this a to our trees audio down on the other listeners? side. Yeah, Mostly this guy power looks like he's about to street die lights, which sure, have their lines yeah. buried, seem to be uh, it's like seem to be working he's like miraculously. In probably like a foot of water Police and just standing says, in the middle of an intersection. There's no cars or anything because in it there's just like it looks like it's just a crazy storm. Also, side note. Since like it's so funny to me the meteorologist thing because it, it just seems like this such a dumb human thing. It's like he's telling us like, hey, it's a storm happening right now, and we're right. like, well, let's see what you look like telling us there's yeah, a storm right. in the middle of the storm, and then we're all looking and we're like, yeah, that's a storm, right? And have you ever seen that video of that? I think it was a woman uh, reporter, and she's like, I'm in the middle of the storm here, and, and then, then she gets hit by something in the no, face. no, that was from a sketch comedy show. Oh. But there's then there's like a guy just casually walking behind her, not affected by the wind at all. Like she was just playing it up for the camera, pretending like it was blowing her over. Oh no, that's, that's so cringe. Favorite. Can you go to the next one? I have two other videos I want you to see of Hurricane Sally, just to give you an idea of the type of yeah, weather. Hurricanes are scary. Hurricanes are super. Yeah, fucking scary. I, I have family that lives in Houston. Florida is also taking a hard. It's real. Oh no. Oh, there's a man walking. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there's. This looks like it was a parking lot, and there, the water is like up to the tires on the car. This man is walking in like knee deep water and he with looks a beer like, in his hand. He looks like a tall man too, so it's probably more like thigh deep water. Oh yeah, how is that car driving? I don't know. This guy doesn't give a fuck. He's in a truck. Checks a out. Lifted truck. Yeah, he's yeah, like checks what out. water. This is why I want a lifted truck, despite everyone thinking you have a small penis and making fun of them. Well, I mean, technically we don't have penises at all, so, so it is small. It is small. It's very small. And then if you can go to the next video. Wow, yeah, the trees are like in. Yeah, that was crazy, guys. So here is a video of the aftermath of Hurricane Sally from a drone perspective at Pensacola Beach. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they're showing like a boardwalk that's all fucked up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's scary. Oh, all the boats that were docked are like crashed into each other. Some are sunk. Yeah, restaurants are just you know, ruined, roofs collapsed in. There's a yacht on the middle of an island. Oh my gosh, (gasps) there's a boat that like rammed into, like a barge that rammed into um, one of those roads that's like a bridge through the water and it just like wrecked it. Yeah, there's just debris everywhere, bricks and um, like glass and water everywhere. 
Yeah, everything was flooded. This looks messed up. There's a pirate ship. <laughs> There's a pirate ship in the middle of a, a yard. I like how this video is like every time that like little ding ding, it just shows you more wreckage. Right. This is trauma porn for sure. It definitely. All uh, right, you can go ahead and pause it. Yeah. You get the idea. Yeah. Okay. So despite the Worry frequent- about those pirates. Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to learn about some pirates in a little bit. Despite frequent hurricanes in the area, Pensacola remains an attractive vacation spot due to its incredible white sand beaches and warm blue water, which we just saw a photo Mm -hmm. of at the beginning of Mm -hmm. this PowerPoint. Its nicknames include World's Whitest Beaches, America's First Settlement, the Emerald Coast, and Red Snapper Capital of the World. And Pensacola is also home to a historical tourist attraction, the sunken remains of the USS Massachusetts, mm. which we are which we are looking at right now. Natalia, have you ever heard of the USS Massachusetts? No, but is it like a, I'm looking at it, is it like a naval warship or something? Correct. Okay. Yes. According to an article written by Ariel Azoff and edited by Kristen Gale for Atlas Obscura, mm-hmm. the USS Massachusetts is the oldest existing American battleship. Built in 1890 at the behest of Congress as just one of three ships of its kind, the USS Massachusetts has been nicknamed, quote, the worst battleship ever made and, quote, the ship that attempted too much. What? What did it do? Can you imagine if someone referred to you as like the, the worst, worst girl, girl ever, ever made, made? The girl the that girl attempted t- too much. Oh, no. What must this boat feel like? I don't know. But I kind of feel like that boat has seen some hard times. Right. It's seen some shit. Yeah. So despite these historical roasts, the ship was <laughs> instrumental in the U.S. victory during the Spanish-American War, even though the Navy attempted to retire the vessel twice due to, quote, extremely poor design. Once it became evident that the ship was no longer seaworthy, it was dry docked from 1896 through 1901, which is what mm. this photo shows us. Okay. Because of its poor design, the ship had numerous, had numerous accidents many of which necessitated extensive repairs and upgrades, the last of which were lethal. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. What? It was retired, then recommissioned. Then in 1910, the Secretary of the Navy declared all three ships, quote, worthless and obsolete and (laughs) retired them for a second time. It then became a target practice ship for World War I military personnel to practice firing at. Then, around 1919, the USS Massachusetts was taken to Pensacola Bay to be used as target practice for the naval air station located there. Target practice eventually sunk the ship, and the state of Florida made plans to remove the wreckage from the area. However, in true Florida man fashion, locals protested the removal of the debris, Mm. saying that the shipwreck was now an important landmark and that they had grown partial to it. Mm. To this day, the shipwreck remains 30 feet underwater off the coast of Pensacola and is a popular archaeological site for both divers and fishermen since the wreckage has been converted into an artificial reef. Very cool. Right. So I'm positive haunting. Positive haunting. Right. So I'm going to show you the next slide here. The next slide shows us the USS Massachusetts being sunk off the coast of Pensacola. And then the next slide is going to show us a video by AL.com on YouTube uh, showing us a diver's perspective oh, very cool. of this wreckage. All right. Mm-hmm. 
lots of fish, the school of fish. It was the second battleship ever built. Yes, so currently Natalia's reading captions. Okay, yeah, it was also one of the most poorly designed ships to ever sail for the U.S. Navy, but it helped usher in the modern era of battleships. The ship had the biggest guns ever made. But they were so heavy that when they were aimed to the side, the ship listed so badly that much of the deck ended up in the water. After a brief career, which included fighting in the Spanish-American War, something happened. (laughs) (laughs) The captions are getting faster. After months of a bombardment, something else happened. Today, the wreck swarms with marine life. It does look like it's swarming with marine life. The fish look very happy there. They do. This is also very inspirational music, I just want to say. Yeah. The heavy steel construction comes straight out of the steam era, late 1800s. The big gun turrets are easy to find. This is also very mysterious. Like, the music's starting to get more mysterious. Yeah, absolutely. And the torpedo tubes are cool. (laughs) You can go ahead and pause it. Um, First of all, I just want to say to this ship, to all the haters out there that said that this ship wasn't shit... I just don't want her to see the next one. Thank oh. you. To all the haters out there that said that this ship wasn't shit, that it was not a good battleship and it attempted too much, I have to say, don't listen because that ship went to war. That ship was that, the second ship, ship ever ship built. And that ship now is giving life to marine animals and is a new coral reef. So, like, that's a great point. Everyone's always going to have shit to say when you're successful as a ship. <laughs> and <laughs> that's just what I have to say about that. I think that's a good point. If someone ever tells you that you're useless or not good at your job, maybe you're just in the wrong job because right. this wasn't the best ship, but now it's a beautiful coral reef. Right. Yeah. It just needed to take some time to find its purpose. Exactly. Wow. Wow. So as with nearly all warships, many lives were lost aboard the USS mm. Massachusetts. But curiously, most of the deaths occurred well after the vessel was retired from war. After the Spanish-American War, the ship was used by the North Atlantic Squadron for training maneuvers and gunnery practice. It was during one of these practices that the battleship suffered an explosion in an 8-inch gun turret, killing nine people. It later ran aground twice, requiring several months of repair both times. In December of 1904, yet another lethal accident took place aboard the Massachusetts. Three men were killed and mm. several others badly burned mm. when a broken gasket caused steam to fill the boiler room. Mm. And for those of you who listened to our episode on cremation, you know that the worst way to die, yeah. according to medical examiners, is by hot steam escaping yeah. from pipes. So we can only imagine what the last moments of these poor men must no. have been like. No. Because of the ship's poor design, many accidents, eventual usage as target practice, and strange deaths occurring outside of battle, the shipwreck soon gained a reputation for being cursed. As with all curses, it is difficult to say definitively, one way or another, if it is in fact cursed or not. After all, a curse is subjective, as some people do not believe in them at all. A pair of scuba divers exploring the wrecked USS Massachusetts one summer in 2008 reported hearing tortured screams when nearing the remains of the boiler room of the ship. 
They reported that the screams were as loud and clear as if a person were standing right next to them, despite the divers being underwater. In another incident, a fisherman reported hearing the sound of antique artillery fire while fishing near the wreck at dusk. What? What do you think of that, Natalia? I think that's super scary. How would you know you were hearing ghosts? You would just think that there was artillery going off and like (laughs) run away and be like, oh, my God, we're at war. Exactly. Especially if it's at dusk. So just imagine this guy minding his own fucking business. Fishing. It's like relaxing. peaceful. As we've seen in this video, there's a lot of fucking fish in this area. So he's probably like, I'm the only boat out here. This is sick. I'm going to get a bunch of fish. And then he just hears like explosions. Yeah, that's going to be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like this ship has had a lot of bad luck. I mean, definitely. You know what the ship reminds me of? Like, you know, like in movies where someone's like a hardened like sniper for like the military or something and they've killed a bunch of people or they're like a hitman or something like that. And then they become a family man or a family person. (laughs) Yeah, that's what the ship is. Yeah. But you can never get rid of your demons as all movies have shown us. Right. That's what the movie is usually about. Right. Like we think that this person has moved on, but no, they have not. But they're actually haunted by the ghosts of every man they killed in the military. Exactly. Yes. Literally direct parallel to this ship. Right. We need a movie deal. We do. Why has no one hired us for anything yet? Yeah. The Massachusetts, the movie. Right. I think, you know, is there a movie about this? Because if there's not, there should be. There should be. But these creepy anecdotes have not deterred teenagers from exploring the landmark over the years. What is it with teenagers? Teenage boys especially. Yeah, they like want to go in sewer pipes and stuff and do spray paints. Yeah, they want to go in sewer pipes. They want to go hunt for bird's nests, as we've learned on this show. They want to go in the Massachusetts sunken warship. Exactly. So this was the case on one fateful day in March of 1962. On March 26, 1962, the Ocala Star Banner published a short but curious article entitled... Four teenage skin divers still missing after raft is abandoned. Skin divers? What's that? Well, I'm glad you asked, Natalia. So I was actually going to ask you, do you know what skin diving is before I read this article? I mean, it sounds like just a funny way to say like sex or something. Yeah, that's muff diving. But <laughs> um, skin diving, also known as free diving, is defined by di- by dictionary.com. I put the dictionary.com. Oh, I don't wait. know why I did that. I know what free diving is. Yeah. Okay, so it would be like when you dive without any equipment and you go down to like deep depths and they're really good at breathing. Yes. Yeah. So, quote, the action or sport of swimming underwater without a diving suit, typically in deep water and typically using a snorkel and flippers. So this article, which you guys can see in front of you on your screens, comes from the Ocala Star Banner. And the article is entitled, Four Teenage Skin Divers Still Missing After Raft is Abandoned. Hmm. The article reads as follows. Pensacola. Four teenage skin divers remained missing today after abandoning their tide-swept rubber raft in the Gulf of Mexico on Saturday. A fifth youth swam two miles to shore about dark Saturday. The four were Bradford Rice, age 14, Warren Felly, 16, Eric Rule, 16, and Larry Stewart Bill, 17. The fifth youth was Brian McCleary, 16, found sleeping on a beach near Fort McRae early Sunday. McCleary said that he and the other four were skin diving in the Gulf when the tide began carrying them out to sea. Swells broke over their raft. He said that they tried to moor a buoy but missed. Then, he said, they abandoned the raft to swim ashore. 
The raft washed ashore on Gulf Beach. Face masks, shoes, and fins were all found inside. McCleary said that he, Bill, and Rule developed cramps, and they separated about dark. The five were from nearby Fort Walton Beach. Why'd they take their fins off? That's like you. That's the only way to battle the ocean. Right. These are the questions that we're going to be exploring as we dive deeper into this episode. Who this? This one. <laughs> this I can is tell not you a joke. Want to fight me? Yeah. This is not a joke, Alyssa. This is very serious. Okay. I okay? apologize for making light. There, there. That one guy. So basically, what I'm reading is that there's five boys. Yes. No, five. Yeah, there's five of them. They mm-hmm. went out. They were screwing around. Then they bit off more than they could chew in this like little tiny raft. There was like a big swell pushed them away. They tried to moor to a um, buoy, meaning like they tried to like attach themselves attach them to, to it, buoy. but they missed. What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that more later. But I think the important thing is that they were trying to not get swept out to sea. Right. But then it became apparent that, that they got swept off. And then why would they take their fins off? I'm confused. Explain. Well, I'm glad you're confused because otherwise I would not have any story to tell you today. (laughs) So let's look at the next photo in this slideshow. For anyone who's not familiar with skin diving, I wanted to provide a photo of what it looks like. So here's two fucking skinny people that I'm (laughs) mad at because they have abs and they're doing skin diving. So Natalia, do you want to describe this photo to our audio listeners? To me, this is just snorkeling. So I guess I'm a skin diver. Um, but yeah, it's when you go like in the ocean and you wear a uh, scuba mask or no, not a scuba mask. You wear like a uh, goggles and snorkel and fins and then you like swim down there and that's it. Right. So they're pretty deep underwater. Yeah. Um, you can see like the sun coming in, in up above them and they're down there without any scuba diving. Gear. Yeah. They're probably like 15 meters down. I think. I'm not sure, actually, but I think like around 20 meters is where you it's considered like free diving or something. There's a certain level. Sure. I got my scuba certification many moons ago, and I remember it's like for 20 meters open water or something. So you're not technically supposed to go down below that because that's like you have to be more certified. But I'm like, it's the fucking ocean. Yeah, right. Who? who what are who, you going to do? Are there ocean police yeah. like just patrolling underneath there? Yeah. It's America. Right. Yeah. If you want to go down there and die, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> and that's what's beautiful but it's if you've never had the pleasure of snorkeling or of going down that deep to 20 meters or whatever that is not you feel the pressure you wouldn't think so because you can still see the surface and stuff but there are a lot of protocols that you have to do in order to survive like you can get the bends which is where oxygen gets in your blood and like it's super painful and i'm pretty sure you die from it if you rise to the surface too quickly and your body wants to rise to the surface because you're like buoyant right Mm -hmm. so like you kind of have to fight to stay down under there so i guess free diving is probably way more technical than just swimming down deep so i'm just saying that because someone might hear this right we might have a free diving listener who's like that's actually really difficult how dare you right or more i was just thinking someone who doesn't know what they're doing is like oh i heard them let's get haunted (laughs) who fuck cares yeah we're not liable for anything you guys do you guys get certified also we don't have any money to give you if you sue us so right well i think they would die if you get the bends oh Okay, well, if your family sues us, yeah. there's nothing. You guys don't. We have nothing. You want merch? That's <laughs> what, That's all we have. <laughs> so let me tell you this story about mm. these five teenage boys. Okay. Eric and Edward were in high spirits when Eric arrived at Edward's home in his beat-up Ford truck, eager to get to the beach. 
The pair met up with their three other friends, Larry, Brad, and Warren, for a day of swimming and diving off the coast of Pensacola. The weather was warm, without a cloud in the sky. They had all been doing research on the USS Massachusetts and were excited to take their rubber seven-foot Air Force life raft to the famous sunken shipwreck, where they would then skin dive and explore the coral reefs and sea life that had formed there. Mm -hmm. Eric had tied the raft to the roof of his truck. The raft was quite large, sturdy, and equipped with an anchor, oars, and provisions. They planned to paddle out to the USS Massachusetts, which was about two miles from the shore, drop anchor near the wreck, and then spend several hours skin diving. Once all the boys had been picked up by Eric, they drove and parked in the parking lot of the state park near the beach. There, they used a permanent telescope located at the park to look out at the famed shipwreck, its two gun turrets just visible protruding from the calm seas. The excitement of the boys was palpable as they made their way onto the sand, dragging their raft behind them. Once in the water, they each took turns rowing. Then, suddenly, the weather began to change. Mm. The once calm and smooth ocean turned choppy with white-capped waves crashing against the raft. The wind began to blow and the sky turned gray. Worse yet, the winds changed directions and the raft began to drift out towards the open waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Mm, scary. Panicked, Larry and Brad frantically rowed against the tide with all their might, trying in vain to move towards the shore. When it became apparent that this wasn't going to be enough, Edward, Eric, and Warren jumped into the water and kicked with their feet, trying to help push the raft forward. Not making much progress and exhausted, the waves suddenly rose up from the sea, seemingly out of nowhere, mm. and the three boys in the water had to quickly jump back into the raft and hold on for dear life as they clung to the sides of the rubber raft, trying not to be washed overboard. Mm. The skies above their raft continued to darken and the wind howled. In the distance, the boys could see ships headed back to their docks. The boys began waving their arms mm. in the air and yelling, but the wind was so strong that it simply swept their voices away and no one seemed to notice them. Then, an elderly gray-haired woman aboard a passing boat looked in their direction. Eric made eye contact with her and she smiled at him. He waved his hands frantically. She waved back. The group thought that they were saved. But then the boys looked on in horror as the vessel with the old woman turned slowly away from them and never looked back, growing smaller and smaller in the distance. Oh, she thought that they were just waving or it was an old woman. Both. Like a, uh, I mean, like Honestly, a do you want to be saved by an old woman or by like someone who doesn't have dementia? So this was both <laughs> of the worst case scenarios you can think of. <laughs> in a last ditch effort, Brad grabbed a shark gun that he had brought aboard the raft and shot it at the disappearing boat. He fired a shot with his red shirt tied to a line affixed to the spear. It landed so close to the small boat that he thought for sure the woman would see it and turn around, but there was no response. <sighs> Brainstorming now as their little raft was pushed further and further towards open waters, Edward proposed a new idea. There was a buoy with a flashing red light anchored near the USS Massachusetts. It was only about a mile away from the raft, and they could anchor themselves to the buoy to ride out the storm. Against all odds, the five companions managed to paddle their rubber raft up to the buoy. But when they got there, they were in for another unwelcome surprise. From a distance, the buoy didn't look very imposing. 
But now up close, they realized that the steel structure towered over 20 feet above their heads. Its size, combined with its bobbing in the choppy seas, created a phenomenon Mm. where water was sucked down underneath Mm. it like a trough and then pushed mightily in the opposite direction where it crashed against oncoming waves. Mm. Despite the risks, the five friends felt that this was their last attempt at saving themselves from a certain death of drowning. So Edward grabbed the anchor and prepared to attempt to lasso it through the buoy. Just as Edward drew back his arm, ready to wind up for a pitch, the raft was sucked violently down, crashing quickly towards the buoy. Mm. The terrified boys screamed and jumped ship, trying to avoid being crushed by the raft underneath the buoy. Mm -hmm. Miraculously, as they surfaced one by one and counted, they realized that all five of them were accounted for. They watched as their raft was crushed underneath the weight of the steel structure. Treading water miles from shore, things now seemed even more hopeless than before. Then, in the distance, they saw it. Their seven-foot rubber raft surfaced above the water, and they all swam for their lives towards it. By now it was dark. Shivering, the boys clung to the raft for their lives. Then, to make matters worse, it began to rain. The oars had been washed away, and the oarless raft was swept past the USS Massachusetts, and there was nothing the boys could do about it in the cold and darkness but wait and pray. After what felt like hours, the storm began to break and the waters got quieter. Waves got smaller and smaller until they flattened out completely, and the boys were heartened. Maybe soon more boats would come back out now that the storm had passed and they could flag someone down. Just as they were beginning to feel optimistic, they watched a dark, thick fog rolling towards them. It seemed like a cruel joke. The fog obscured their vision as it washed over their raft. Suddenly, everything got even more still. It was as if someone had put earmuffs over their ears, and everything was quiet. Too quiet. Edward broke the silence, saying, Not a wave rippled, not a fish is breaking the water, not a seagull is calling. For the first time in his young life, Edward was very, very scared. Mm. Brad spoke, saying, We're dead. We must have died in that storm, and this is what it's like to be dead. Mm. Everything seemed unusually thick and warm. Larry suddenly said, Shh, I think I hear something. Then, a strange and wild scream pierced the air. It was a scream unlike any that they had ever heard before. It sounded like a cross between a boat's foghorn and a wounded animal. As they were trying to discern where exactly the sound was coming from, a horrible odor overwhelmed them. It smelled like rotting, decayed fish. This is a haunting, for sure. Then, in the stillness, they heard a resounding splash as if a large object had been dropped into the ocean not far from them. With the fog still blocking their vision, they froze and cried. Another splash, this time closer. Then, as if in a horror film, a long, dark, telephone pole-like structure began to rise from the ocean behind their raft. Edward described it as about 10 or 12 feet long, greenish-brown and shiny. There seemed to be a bulbous protrusion at the end of the pole, 
like some kind of head. The pole rose from the ocean and stood there, floating in the water, motionless, pointed at the raft. Then it started moving right towards them. The boys clung to each other and watched as the thing dove forward underneath their raft, causing a plume of the unpleasant odor to wash over them again. Gagging and terrified, they tried not to vomit as they watched the thing undulating through the murky water. Then it surfaced, and again it turned to look at them. A tall, living pole jutting from the water, its bulbous head staring straight at them. It was silent, motionless. It didn't breathe. Then the loudest shrill the five boys had ever heard in their lives pierced the air around them. Fuck this, one of the boys said, (laughs) and all at once with the same idea, the boys wildly tried to jam on their fins and masks as quickly as possible and dove into the water, away from the raft, away from whatever this terrifying Mm. monster was. Because of the fog, there was no way to tell which direction the shore was, but they swam for their lives. It didn't even matter. They couldn't hear a terror. They could hear a terrifying hissing and splashing noise behind them. It sounded similar to hot steam escaping from a pipe. The surface of the water around them was covered in patches of a brown, crusty sludge. All they knew was they had to get out of there. They had to try, against all odds, to survive and make it back to shore. Suddenly, there was a break in the fog, and the boys could see the USS Massachusetts in the distance ahead of them. They continued to wildly swim towards it hoping to reach the only landmark in the ocean for miles. The group swam towards the wreck, with Edward and Eric in the lead. Behind them, they could still hear the splashing and hissing of whatever that creature was. It started to rain again. The clouds above them grew dark and the waves began to churn. An ear-piercing scream came from behind Eric and Edward. Warren cried out, "'It's got Brad!' His voice was suddenly cut off mid-sentence. Edward yelled back to Warren and Brad, but there was no response. Larry was now swimming with Eric and Edward. All three screamed at each other to stick together. The horrific realization that they had just lost Warren and Brad washed over them. Then a flash of lightning cut through the darkness and the rain, revealing the silhouette of the wreck of the Massachusetts. It's so scary. It wasn't far now. Edward and Eric suddenly became aware that Larry was no longer with them. They took turns diving down into the murky water, looking for Larry. But exhausted, they realized it was hopeless. Larry was now gone, taken by the beast. Edward and Eric continued on, trying to reach the Massachusetts. Stopping to catch his breath while treading water, Eric moaned in pain. He was having exhaustion cramps in his Mm. sides and didn't know how much longer he could swim. We don't have a choice, Eric, Edward yelled back at him, and they continued to struggle and thrash through the water towards the shipwreck. It seemed like hours more, like they weren't making any progress at all, struggling in the dark together. Another flash of lightning now revealed Eric swimming just ahead of Edward. They were so close to the Massachusetts, so close to salvation. Then the telephone pole-like creature surfaced right next to Eric. It had two small eyes. What? It it opened its mouth. What? And fell upon Eric, disappearing with him below the surface. 
Edward was all alone. Then everything went dark. Next thing Edward knew, he was waking up alone in the Pensacola Naval Base Hospital. He had apparently been found washed ashore on the white sand beaches of Pensacola by a group of young boys. At the hospital, Edward told his story to the director of search and rescue, who informed him that none of his friends had been found. Mm. The director listened in polite silence as Edward told the fantastical tale of the long-necked sea monster. The director then got up to leave Edward's hospital room. He paused at the door, turned towards Edward, and whispered in a low voice right before leaving, The sea has many secrets. What? Why would he say that? That is so scary. I have chills. He's a fucking doctor. He's supposed to be like, hey, I'll be back with your chart. What the fuck? (laughs) The Coast Guard physicians who examined Edward estimated that he had been in the water around 12 total hours. Wow. And that he had swum around five miles during the entire ordeal. A body washed ashore a week later. It was badly bloated and decomposed. Mm. Edward was taken to identify the body and he identified it as that of Brad Rice. The others, he told authorities, had been eaten by a sea monster. The raft that the boys had used was recovered around 10 miles from the shore. After the incident, Edward had to face reporters. He steadfastly told his story, never once wavering from his tale. Understandably, Edward suffered a nervous breakdown after the ordeal Mm -hmm. and soon devolved into a life of drugs and alcoholism. Mm. According to fortyanzoology.blogspot.com, Edward wrote an article for Fate magazine in 1965, three years after the incident, detailing the account which I summarized and read to you above. Mm -hmm. In his article, Edward wrote that Florida reporters warned him that they could not publish a monster story, which was, quote, better left unmentioned for all concerned. So the next Why slide, wouldn't they pu- they publish anything else a Florida man does? Why not he sees a sea monster? Well, this was the 1960s, so I don't know if Florida man had come full circle yet into all of its meme-worthy glory. Right. But this is a cover of the magazine that finally published his story. So at the beginning of this story, I read you that little tiny yeah. newspaper article that was just like five boys mm-hmm. swept out to sea. One makes it back. The other four die. And mm-hmm. that's really all that was ever published about this incident in newspapers. No reference to sea monsters at all. Then, a few years later, he decides to reach out to this magazine, Fate Magazine. And you may remember this magazine from our Black Forest episode, which Mm. we did in 2019, because they are a paranormal magazine and they take on the stories that the mainstream won't. That's Mm -hmm. like their their whole gimmick. I love that. Love it. So um, if you can just like describe this magazine cover to our audio yeah. listeners. So I'm looking at a vintage magazine cover. It says up in the top uh, right hand corner, May 1965, and then 40 cents underneath it. So you know that it was um, a long time ago. Old as fuck. Yeah. Like I think a magazine now would probably be four or five bucks. At least. Um, it says true stories of the strange and unknown. And then under articles, here are a few articles. The day the earth stopped turning. Read your future in dominoes. Now robots can reproduce themselves. Search for Big Bo's grave. And under stories, we've got we doused for our home on a map. My escape from a sea monster, which is by Edward Brian McCleary, who we're talking about. The body in the house next door and death called in a coach. 
Yeah. So this is I on I tried to find a copy this looks of really this. Cool. I'd yeah. Love to read this. I want it so bad. And I was looking online. I couldn't find anywhere to download it. I couldn't find anywhere to like read on eBay it or something. Find like an old copy. Right. If you guys find one, link it to us because I really want this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to read like other articles that had like excerpts from um this magazine mm-hmm. within their article. So that's what I read to you. Um. And author Michael Newton writes in his article about this incident, quote, two months after fate published his story, Edward sent an abbreviated and amended version to Loch Ness researcher Tim Dinsdale, who apparently accepted the tale at face value and remarked on the potential danger faced by those who swim in waters inhabited by these animals, which must be fish eating carnivores. As for the fate of Edward's friends, Dinsdale wrote, quote, I feel that Mr. McCleary has been right to omit omit the details in his letter because the facts cannot be proven. Mm. So if you go on to the next slide. What could it possibly be? Well, that's that's what the question is. So this is a sketch that McCleary had sent to this man, Tim Dinsdale, who is a famed Loch Ness researcher in, from the 1960s. OK, yeah, because when you were first talking about this, I was like, oh, it's got to be, I don't know, like a piece of debris or something. Or it's like a piece of a buoy that like rotated the opposite way. Right. But then when he starts saying he can like make out its eyes and it opens its mouth, I'm like, that's not normal also like yeah like i was picturing like a periscope you know what i mean like a yeah like I, a I thought big, periscope, long too. periscope which is scary as fuck in and of itself right. like who is down there watching me yeah yeah but apparently it was like a living periscope and if you can describe this sketch to our audience okay yeah i'm looking at a it's an oceanscape and there's a giant buoy floating and it's one of those buoys like when i thought of a buoy i was thinking of like a big ball that's tied tethered down but this is one of those buoy where it's like uh, it, it looks like a tower on top of like um like some sort of floating structure or whatever and it's like one of those things with um a bunch of i don't know how do you describe it it's like a fort at the top with like a light Winking. Yes. It's like an Eiffel Tower type thing mm. floating. Imagine that. Imagine a mini Eiffel Tower floating. Perfect. And then there's, yeah, like literally uh, a sea monster. It's like, it looks like the top of a Bronchosaurus's head yeah. or something. And it's as tall, it's about as tall as the buoy. So I'm going to, yeah, it's about as tall as the buoy. It's head is the same height as the buoy. And it looks like its mouth is open. Yeah, it looks scary as fuck um if i were just like out in the middle of open water in a in a little life raft right with my four friends and i saw this i would not be well for many years i don't know like i'm sure there's a bunch of people who have this and there's a name for it but i don't want to know the name for it because i can't just keep adding to my diseases okay like what (laughs) that thing where you're afraid of like deep water yes I don't know what that's called, but we can find out. Do you want to know? No. Okay, we're going to do it. Where, <laughs> where I hate that feeling. Like, to me, when I'm on a boat, to look at the shore is peaceful to me, but to look out into the nothingness, sometimes I just get really, like, nervous and scared. And maybe it's because I'm picking up on the fucked up stuff that's in there. And then, so I was thinking, the part that I got the most scared of is when they were on the raft, and then all of a sudden the water got brown and murky, and then they had to jump into the brown, murky, crusty water. Yeah. Yeah, the disgusting fucking rotten water. No, I hate that. That's when I go to the lake, I cannot I cannot step d- from the shore because of the gross the gross like silt feeling. Yes, and it's like organisms 
under your feet Fish and stuff. Slime. Fuck. What? Oh my god, I hate that. <laughs> and then yeah, so I have to like literally go out into deep water. I have to be like on the boat when right, it's lowered. and then jump in. I totally know what you mean that it feels so gross on your feet. It's like squishy and slimy. And still, the whole time, this whole time I'm in the ocean, the whole time I'm in a lake, I'm in a body of water. I'm like worried about my feet so much that I got these like Vans like shoes for surfers. Like they're like water shoes that uh-huh. you wear to go surfing. But I just wear them when I go to the beach because that like layer of protection between the unknown and my foot makes me feel secure. <laughs> <laughs> That's like um, people who are afraid of like when you're little and you're afraid of the mom monster under your bed so you have to keep your feet like tucked in I feel like that's a similar like the adult version of that fear is wearing water shoes but it's like validated like what yeah all of these stories have only made me more afraid of open water and I looked it up and a fear of deep open water is called thalassophobia yeah or thalassophobia who doesn't have that if you're listening to this podcast and you're right now you're just thinking like who's afraid of like just deep water everywhere where you can't you look around and you can't see anything except for more deep water right then I have to know like what your deal is what do you do for work if you even have a job (laughs) how did you find this podcast right yeah definitely let us know I feel like it's because humans like obviously we don't have gills we can't survive underwater Mm -hmm like for long I mean you, you have to breathe eventually yeah. so it's like it's natural for us to be afraid of right. the ocean we can't survive there like without being afraid scuba of gear heights or something or yes. being afraid of space like empty space does the same thing to me yeah it's very creepy yeah yeah so Dr. Bernard Hoovelaman <laughs> that's not a real person <laughs> Hoovelaman <laughs> Hoovelamans excuse me Wow, there's yeah, there's not. What did he? What did this we, doctor okay. say? Assuming he's real, he briefly recapped Edward's story in 1968, suggesting that it might be a hoax, but left room for speculation. Well, his name is a hoax. His he's not real. <laughs> that is what this story is about. Who is Bernard Hoovel, a man? Sensationalist author Warren Smith presented the tale as fact eight years later, suggesting that, quote, a storm, unfamiliar waters and other factors affecting behavior could trigger a vicious attack by a sea serpent or Mm. sea serpent like beast. Mm. In 2007, researcher Matt Bill told Internet readers, quote, as so often happens in cryptozoology, we are left with a story that has very little corroborating evidence. Mm -hmm. That story, as unbelievable as it sounds, still could be true, but we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Until and unless we get a specimen of this creature that matches Edward's beast, mm-hmm. the death of four young men will remain a mystery of the sea. That's just really sad, too. It's you know, very at sad. first I was like skeptical of this guy. I was thinking like he definitely like pushed all those guys out of the boat and then was like, you know, killed them or something. Right. But then when a body washed up all bloated and dead and and uh, th- if he had shot them or something like that, then you would be able to see that. That's right? a good point. That's a very good point. And making this story even more tragic. Edward passed away on February 24th, 2016, and those who knew him have been quoted as saying that this experience forever messed with his head until the very end, and he refused to speak about it as he got older, and he eventually became an alcoholic, according to some sources. So this, like, obviously very greatly impacted him. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, this something... Fucking batshit crazy happened to him out there, and he was never right. He had a traumatic experience, for sure. Yes, definitely. Whether or not you believe the serpent happened, he, you know, lost four of his friends. 
yes. when he's like a teenage boy. Exactly. It was supposed to be just like a fun afternoon. Yeah, it was supposed to be just like a fun time. And uh, I didn't talk too much about his background, but he was actually, he had just moved to Florida. So he was from Brooklyn mm-hmm. and his family had relocated to Florida and he had just made these friends like during, and it was now it was summer, like he'd had his first school year yeah. there. Now it's summer. Um, He's like super pumped. He's never lived by the beach before. Right. Like warm waters, white sand beaches, his new friends. And then this is what happens to him. So the next slide that I'd like you to look at is a picture from Edward's obituary, um, which he looks so sweet. He looks, right? You guys, Ed, this guy, first of all, this looks awesome. It's a photo. It's at Christmas. He's standing next to a mini Christmas tree that's all decked out. And I think what's giving me a lot of person of his personality is he's wearing a shirt with a kitten wearing a white bandana tied around his head. And it says hug life in the thug life lettering. Font. Yes, it is adorable. He's it- literally wearing a kitten on his shirt that says hug life. How could you not love this life. man? I mean, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him except for this story. But judging by this photo, he just looks like, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of my uncle who does enjoy a, a glass of beer from time to time <laughs> at family gatherings. Whose uncle doesn't? Yeah, right. You, yeah. Everyone has that one drunkle and right. we love them very much. He or looks a like a drunkle. I have yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah. A drant. Yeah. yeah. Love it. okay so now we're gonna get into the seven theories most often explored when discussing this story he kind of looks like diplo too (laughs) i've been don't let diplo hear you say that diplo is like so upset that he looks old as shit now he posts about it all the time i follow him on tiktok so i like have weirdly been like learning more about him because he's on my feed or whatever and yeah i gotta say this looks like diplo (laughs) just like the way he's standing you know the cheesy shirt like all of it yeah it's like it's a middle-aged white dude who looks sunburned if someone (laughs) who has the time can take this clip of Alyssa and I saying that this man who was allegedly um lost all of his friends to a sea monster (laughs) looks looks like like Diplo and send it to him on TikTok that would be greatly appreciated I feel like Diplo's not really doing much anymore so he might have the time on the podcast Diplo come on the podcast okay wait Alyssa this is Cut this part out. Alyssa recently texted me and asked me which celebrity is washed up enough that they would come onto our podcast. <laughs> and I think we might, it might be Diplo because he also, he also like always duets like young girls dancing and stuff. Right. So I feel like if we blur this out enough to make us look kind of young. And kind of hot. Kind of hot. Then he might want to come on then, here. Yeah, he might okay. want to. Okay. That's true. I'm going to sit up straight. Also, middle-aged men don't have good eyesight. So I feel <laughs> like he might already have a natural beauty filter on his vision and he might think. Right. That we look good. Right. Also, if you've been on this show before and you are a celebrity, we are not saying you're washed up. I was simply saying that in the future, because we've already had all the good ones on here, all of our friends. James Allen McCune, excellent actor. You may know him as the lead in the Blair Witch Project. Um, Steven Subtick. Steven Subtick from The Woods, if you've ever seen (laughs) The Woods. Um, Also, uh, Jamie Kennedy. Yes. From Malibu's Most Wanted. From every movie ever. Yeah. Scream. Scream. Every 90s movie. We've every ha- 2000s yeah. movie. You guys are wonderful. We are not talking about you. We're, I was simply saying, 
that was like a miracle that we got you guys on the show. Right. So how can we trick people in the future into hey, coming on the show? Because we're out of people that we know. I would. Gl- I don't think Diplo's washed up, but I'm negging so that he can come on. Right. Yeah. That Diplomatico That's... is like still a bop. Okay. Yeah. And that okay. was very recent. Okay. Well, <laughs> you heard it here first, Diplo. We're just doing that thing where like you're a child and right. you're trying to flirt, but you don't know how. Yeah. So you just punch the guy. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Now, what were we talking about? Oh, the theories. Okay, (laughs) so I'm now going to get into the seven theories. So the next slide has theory number one. You love that photo. Okay, now, Natalia, you hit on this. Yeah, theory number one. early on. Murder. Murder. Theory number one. Got murked. Murder. Many have speculated over time over plausible alternative explanations for what could have happened to Edward and his friends on this fateful day. Skeptics who do not believe the story of the sea serpent wonder why would Edward have made up such a fantastical story? What could have been his motivation? What if Edward had somehow murdered his friends or otherwise contributed towards their deaths? This theory hypothesizes that Edward may have either accidentally or purposefully drowned one or more of his friends while out on the raft and then abandoned the rest of his friends and paddled away so that there would be no witnesses, Mm. leaving them to drown miles from shore. Proponents of this theory point to the sketch drawn by Edward that we looked at earlier, that white sketch, in the years following this event. They point out that his sketch seems to closely resemble a cartoon character that was popular in 1962 in Florida known as Cecil the Sea Serpent. Hmm. In fact, it seems almost too convenient that Edward's sketch almost exactly matches a creature which he surely would have seen on TV around the time of this drowning incident. So this next slide is going to show you Cecil the Sea Serpent, and it's a video of this cartoon, and I want us to watch like 30 or so seconds of it. The Phantom of the Horse Opera. The Phantom of the Horse Opera? Okay, I'm looking at a, a boat on wheels. And ah, ah, ah. Golly, look. Bad man's man. Population, one really bad man. <laughs> Men, let's check the map. We have to go through unpassable paths, which is almost impossible without a pass. <laughs> And then between Withering Heights and Horrors Heights, and past the Phantom of the Horse Opera, nobody's made it yet. So call me when we get there. <laughs> okay, Jeez, so we better if you can pause life. the video, Rashad, I want Natalia. I want you to just fucking describe that, describe that, that snake that thing, dude. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I don't know what kind of shit I was just watching it had it started with one of those racist crows from the Disney movies that they right. took out yes yeah and then there's like a little boy and he's like literally what is those like little hats with the spinners yeah, on top little spinner tweedledee tweedledum hat. yeah he's got a spinner hat on and everyone's like overacting because they're cartoons in the 60s they're right. like oh, I'm so scared yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's um, very 1960s right but there's like just casually a giant monster who's just on the ship. And I don't think he has a lot of lines based off of what I just saw. Right. But he looks a lot like that that drawing. I mean, he's like a, the top of a bronchiosaurus or whatever the fuck the dinosaur is called. Yeah. I'm sure there's also a bronchiosaurus. There's so many of those Brachiosaurus. Yeah. Brachiosaurus. Drachosaurus. Dracula. Tracksaurus. Yeah, tracksuit. 
So, <laughs> so I just want to like show you. Okay, yeah. In front of so this is this is the cartoon, and then compare that to his sketch. Okay, but they're both of sea serpents. Like how how much great point. variable can there be? It's like great. You point. Sh- tell me about a a ghost horse and a not ghost horse. They're probably both going to look like a horse. Right. Yes. Wow. Right? Exactly. Also, I don't think that that drawing he drew looks at all like that serpent. Really? I feel like that's very species Specious. Specious. Yeah, not, that's true. Not all Brachiosauri look alike. Right, because that one from the cartoon has like flared out nostrils and a very different mouth shape and also has a mane. That's a good point. And, and this one does not have a mane. The one he drew is just like a smooth fucking telephone pole ass. Yeah. And the d- one dinosaur. Hot dinosaur summer. <laughs> and the one that he drew also looks very ominous and scary. And that one looks like he would get murked. That, yeah. That it looks cartoon. like he wants to be your friend. He's like, let right. me show you where the treasure is down here. Mm. Yeah. And the other one is like, I am going to devour your flesh. Yeah. 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 Okay, so maybe we're going to throw theory number one out the window. I don't think it's murder. If it if it was murder, it would be accidental. Yeah, and then he just freaked out. And... I just don't believe that this man wearing the kitten with the hug life is a murderer. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I mean, as someone who's not a murderer, it's really hard for me to put myself in the shoes, the shoes of, of a murderer. murderer. Yeah. So I can't say with 100% certainty, but judging a book by its cover off the one photo mm-hmm. I've seen of Edward right. McCleary, I don't think he's a murderer. Also, if you murder one time, are you a murderer forever? Or is like a murderer someone who like, mur- like they identify as like someone who murders? That's a good question. Again, one I don't have the answer to. Right. It's if philosophical in nature. <laughs> if you're a murderer and you listen to this podcast, yeah, let us leave know a comment. The murder culture. Yes. So now we get into theory number two, a cryptid. Mm, Yeah, obviously. Obviously. So Florida actually has a shit ton of cryptids. But for this episode, I'm not going to go into all of them because in the future, you or I may want to do individual episodes Mm -hmm. based on those cryptids. Appreciate that. No problem. I love (laughs) cryptid episodes. For this episode, though, I do want to briefly acknowledge one Florida cryptid in particular that is said to live off the coast of the state known as the Florida Sea Devil. And I have two drawings of this cryptid. So the next slide is going to be the first drawing of the cryptid. And I want you to describe it. (laughs) Okay. What? This is from a children's coloring book, by the way. This is fucking haunted as shit. I don't think they intended for it to be this scary, but it is based off of this person's poorly drawn. <laughs> draw- they have poor drawing skills. So it looks like they're just the perspective is off and it's just kind of like, I can't like decipher this. So it looks like, how do you even begin to describe this? I would say it looks like a baby bird with its wings cut off um, and that also has like human-like legs with uh, fins. And then it also has a tail that um, like a long serpentine tail that's split at the end. And then it also, it has some other shit going on that (laughs) might be genitals. I'm not sure what that is, but whoever drew this clearly wanted that to be represented because they like went over it twice with marker. Yes. Um, and And it has like, maybe abs or is that a rib cage i don't know it it looks like an abomination yeah created by satan himself (laughs) (laughs) it also kind of looks like a fucked up penis 
Yeah, I can't tell if this is like the if it's facing forwards or backwards or sideways. Yeah. This is very (laughs) confusing. I just spit everywhere because it looks so fucking stupid. (laughs) Okay. Now the next slide (laughs) is another witness who has seen the sea devil. Well, this looks completely different because the first one... The fir- this one looks like a giant manta ray. Yes. Yeah, this one I looks agree. like a giant manta ray. I don't know if this is by design or this is just a, an awkward angle for this Florida Sea Devil, but this one has one eye that is clearly larger than the other eye. And again, I can't tell if this is the upside down of the manta right. ray thing Which or if side? this is the top side. Yeah. I can't. I cannot tell. Now, could we go back to the previous slide real quick? <laughs> Is could this be the baby version? Of I don't know. I was just ray? thinking maybe it transforms. Like oh. it's, it looks like it has um like little brushes on the side, or maybe those are supposed to be fins. I'm not sure. Again, this is a very confusing portrait. There are multiple types of waves. Let me just give you some drawing <laughs> advice. If you are going to draw waves with a line, right. stick to one shape for waves. Yes. Okay. Correct. Um, all right, yeah. So Maybe maybe it like as it as it travels it, the it branches out. I really don't know, you guys. I can't. Right. Well, we'll move forward in time. We'll move to the next slide, and then again to the next slide. Okay. Now we get into what you were talking about, yes. which is dinosaurs. Yeah, I think that that's what it was. I really do. So some people who believe that it was a dinosaur think that Edward saw a prehistoric dinosaur species something mm-hmm. like a plesiosaur that somehow survived for years undetected in yeah. deep water and this is also what some Lo- Loch Ness monster believers think so this is not an unusual theory like this really? is not outlandish if you're someone who's super into cryptids it's kind of like the gold standard for sea serpents as people think oh it could be some form of prehistoric dinosaur and as we can see from this um, so Natalia if you want to describe these two photos I have up here for yeah, you. Yeah this is this thing I'm sure you guys have seen this thing. It's very cute. It looks like a turtle with a really long neck mm-hmm. and um, adorable. Yeah, it's just really cute. Uh, and I re- it's huge as fuck, right? It's huge as fuck. I personally really like this thing because it's got like four cute like fins. It's like literally like a turtle. Like, and a turtle yeah. is harmless and cute. And it has a long neck. You can ride on it. I feel like you could put. <laughs> You could put a saddle right at the base yeah. of this thing's neck and ride on it, and then like it would be just super magical. Yeah, it'd be like the best friend yeah. experience. I also think, okay, so when he's describing how I'm jumping around, sorry, yeah, no, but I can't stop. That's okay, fine. when he's describing when this event occurred, he said that it got like really quiet. Yes, almost like they were in the eye of a storm, like they couldn't hear anything. They were in this like little encapsulated thing. Maybe they like fell into some sort of like time slip or something and they encountered this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Could have. It could have been. So we're going to move forward to theory number three because I want to come back to what you just said in a little bit in a different theory. So theory number three is a ghost. And this theory basically harkens back to this story of the curse of the the USS Massachusetts. This creature... If we believe Edward's story, which mm-hmm. I believe him, yeah. this creature apparently surfaced relatively close to the Massachusetts because when the remember when the lightning cut through the fog, they yeah. could see it in the distance. Right. 
And the creature sounded like hot steam escaping a pipe, which if we remember those nine guys in the boiler room or three, excuse me, it was three guys in the boiler room of the USS Massachusetts were killed by hot steam escaping a broken pipe. Right. So some people think, okay, we have this cursed shipwreck. Mm -hmm. We have the sound of steam escaping a pipe. Mm -hmm. What are the odds that this creature doesn't have something to do with this The odds are very... Slim to none. Hot. Wait, whatever it's more likely to be a ghost is what they are. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what this theory says that... And it's, it's an interesting theory, actually, because we haven't really talked about this on the show before. And the theory basically says that the energy that happens when people die tragically mm-hmm. can be converted instead of being converted into like you know full body apparitions that we think of of like oh a woman in a victorian dress like yeah. her ghostly visage uh wandering through the halls and then she like dissipates yeah. this is like what if that energy could turn into something evil oh, so yeah. all of that energy like mashes together of all these cursed shit Mm -hmm. things that have happened all these deaths and becomes this creature that we can't really describe right i mean he says it's like a telephone pole with a bulb at the end Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really sound like something human it doesn't really sound like something that we know of so if we don't think it's a cryptid why couldn't it be some sort of negative energy manifesting itself as like a ghostly thing yeah or like a demon like maybe yeah. a demon like inhabited this ship or whatever and made all that bad stuff happening yeah. happened and then now we're seeing it and it just takes on whatever form is going to scare someone the most that's true yeah maybe like all four of those boys saw something different just like, um, what is that thing from Harry Potter where uh, yeah, the, bo- like the Boggart, Ron, Bogart. Ron sees it and it's a it's a spider. But yes. like Harry sees it and it's Voldemort. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I got chills. I know. Me Voldemort. too. Yeah. Don't say it. <laughs> he who must not be named. Uh, so, yeah. Like, what if it is something like that? And especially because I know that, like, Harry Potter's not super popular these days. But a lot of those concepts from that book come from mythology. Mm-hmm. So... And mythology comes from possibly real experiences, right? Yeah. So what if it was something like that? That's a good point. I'm just getting so many chills. Me too. Like, I'm like- I just keep thinking about like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about Harry Potter now. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to move on to theory number four, which is the next okay. slide. A hallucination. And basically, I read several studies about false memories and learned that there is a direct link between between trauma and the creation of false memories. For example, in an article entitled Trauma, PTSD, and Memory Distortion, Mm. author Nathan H. Lentz writes the following for Psychology Today. Quote, Converging evidence demonstrates that experiences of trauma, whether a single event, for example, a sexual assault, or a sustained stressful experience that might involve multiple trauma types, for example, experiences at war, are also vulnerable to memory distortion. Mm -hmm. In fact, traumatic memory distortion appears to follow a particular pattern. People tend to remember experiencing even more trauma than they actually did. Mm. This usually translates into greater severity of post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms over time as the remembered trauma, quote, grows. Right. So basically what this guy is saying is in studying these cases of people with PTSD or even just... um, like traumatic things that have happened to people, they realize that the trauma becomes so much bigger because of the inability to deal with it. Right. That 
then the person who has who experienced that trauma, it suddenly becomes like larger than life. And they, they remember things that didn't even happen. Right. So what if, you know, he witnessed his friends die somehow, drown somehow. Yeah. And then the way that his mind coped with it was mm-hmm. like there was a sea monster. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about this PTSD growing emotion thing. So I recently got to get my birth video back. I thought I would never want to see this shit. And I I didn't even want anyone to film it, but the doula filmed it. So Uh um, I was like watching it recently and I it looked so much more calm and just like than what you felt than what I felt and what I experienced. And I was like, I could have sworn I I, like screamed or like they were like screaming and like there were, you know, and then I'm watching it and it's so calm and it's so chill. What a cool experience to have that video then that you can look and see. Oh, it wasn't right. It was completely different than what I experienced it as and after I gave birth for a while I like had PTSD like uh, something would happen on TV and there would be like explosions or like characters would be experiencing stress and I would like tear up and like feel like I was like back in that place and that's like PTSD right but I felt I I felt like it so I started researching it and they were saying that like it's not the situation that gives you PTSD it's your emotional response to the situation that gives you PTSD so like a, a Uh, a leaf could fall and you could like not have any experience of it at all like you wouldn't even remember it happened but if I that leaf fell and then I like for some reason had some sort of emotional attachment to it even though we both experienced the exact same thing I might have PTSD and you might not yeah that makes sense yeah and so I don't know the way that that doctor worded it as like oh your experience grows into something that it was never you know maybe I don't think that that's fair to say to someone who had PTSD I feel like that's like kind of like playing it down. And so I feel like maybe this guy really did see this, um, you know, lizard or whatever it was. I don't know what I'm trying to say. My point is, is that I don't like that doctor. Okay. Well, let said me, something that triggered me. Let <laughs> me let me tell you another study. Another study entitled What Drives False Memories in Psychopathology, a Case for Associative Activation. Researchers Henry Otgar, Peter Murris, Mark L. Howe, and Harold Merkelbach write, quote, Our review suggests that individuals with PTSD, a history of trauma or depression, are at risk for producing false memories when they are exposed to information that is related to their knowledge base. Memory aberrations are notable characteristics of post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. and depression. So I think this is like gaslighting on just like a serious level, like anyone who's experiencing hallucinations and then someone's like, you're not experiencing hallucinations. But they're not. No, but they're not saying they're not experiencing it. They're saying that people who have experienced a significantly traumatic event or multiple traumatic events Mm -hmm. are more vulnerable to memory distortion. So like something so bad, like let's say I witnessed you be like murdered in front of me. My mind, I'm as a way to like be able to move on with my life i can either block that memory out completely Mm -hmm. or i can change it into something else involuntarily in my mind as a coping mechanism right so this theory is basically saying that whatever brian witnessed was not some sort of monster right but he like his it's body a false memory that way yes so it could have been for example like if if for some reason it was partially his fault or he felt guilty maybe as the sole survivor mm-hmm. he feels guilty then maybe as a way to like deal with this traumatic event that happened to him he's like there's nothing i could have done it was a sea serpent like it's how am like i that... supposed to fight a fucking sea serpent right it's kind of like that movie life of pi 
I have never seen it, oh but God. he's on the raft with the it's tiger. So good. You need to see it. I know. I need to see it's it. It's beautiful. You've um, talked about it before, and I feel like I need to see it. Yeah, it's a great movie. Also, that paper straw dissolved in my mouth when I took a. I fucking a sip, hate paper straws. And now I feel I like them. I'm like taking things and like rubbing my fingers. If you guys are seeing this and I'm acting weird, <laughs> it's because I'm trying to act like there's not a fuck ton of paper in my mouth right now. Okay. <laughs> Do you need a minute? Do you need to go off camera? And no, it it's no, just it's just part of it's my happened biome to you. Now. Okay. All yeah. right. Well. Anyway, so what you don't like this theory. So we say no to to false memory or a hallucination. I, I'm triggered by this if, for some reason because I feel like maybe I'm hallucinating my life away now. I'm not sure. I don't well, like it. Like, for example, have you ever heard of recovered memories? Like, OK, recovered memory is where something was so traumatic that your mind completely blocked it out as a way to cope with it. And then people go to therapy and suddenly they have this realization like, holy shit, this oh. happened to me when I was younger and I completely blocked it out. So that's another example of false memory. Right. OK. Yeah. This is too personal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't like this theory. Get All right. this the fuck out okay, of here. OK, we're moving on to the next theory. Oh, so this is these are the two quotes I just read to you. Um. Yeah, so I don't need to read them through again. The next one is a hoax. According to author Michael Newton of fortyandzoology.blogspot.com, in his article entitled, What's Eating You? Florida's Hungry Sea Serpent Revisited. Some of the boys listed in this story and in the news articles may actually have never even existed. What? Newton writes, quote, In an effort to answer the question of whether or not this story is a hoax, I consulted the U.S. Social Security Death Index, a public resource that purports to list dates of death for any resident of the United States who has possessed a Social Security card since Congress launched the program in 1935. According to federal records, there's only one Eric Rule who has died in the U.S. since Social Security was established. He was born in August of 1883 and died in Alton, Illinois in January of 1965 at the age of 81. There were two Warren Sallies on the government list. One was born in 1921 and died in Panama City, Florida at age 85 in March of 2007. The other was born in 1925 and died a month before his namesake in February 2007 in Derby, Kansas. By comparison, there are way too many Larry Bills. The only one with that precise name, Larry G. Bill, died at Naples, Florida in April 2008, age 72. There were five Lawrence Bills, born between November 1898 and November 1953, died in Virginia in 1972, Louisiana in 1983, New York in 1985, North Dakota in 1996, and Ohio in 2006. Lawrence B. Bill was born in 1935 and died in Pennsylvania in October 1996. Seeking other avenues of verification, I checked the weather. This is still this guy talking. I checked the weather for Pensacola, Florida, and environs on... 24th March 1962 through the Old Farmer's Almanac online, the day was reasonably warm with a high of 64.9 degrees Fahrenheit. No precipitation or fog was recorded. Visibility was cited as 4.8 miles, and the stormy winds that allegedly drove Edward's raft off course never even topped 13 miles per hour. But he... But he was saying that it it just came out of nowhere. Right. Correct. So what if it was just like this really small thing that nothing else is picking up? But it's completely like, valid. Like yeah. a tornado of emotion. Completely valid. 
Now, this author, Newton, so this is just what he found when he was researching it. He can't even corroborate that some of these guys even existed in the first place. But that being said, he was able to find the priest from Edward's hometown in Florida who said that he could verify the death of Larry G. Bill, even though Social Security had no record of this guy. Mm. And he said that the reason why he knows that this guy really existed and really drowned at sea is because his mother was a member of his congregation and she was devastated following her son's drowning death. Um, And so, like, Larry definitely existed, even though Newton couldn't find him in Social Security records. I just think it's funny how skeptics will, like, when someone says, like, well, I couldn't find anyone based off of my research, instead of just being like, you fucking suck at researching, then, we're all just like, well, he couldn't find anything based on his research. Right. Like, why do we even trust this guy? Yeah. like Who is this guy? Right. He has a blog spot, but also your blog spot was really good, sir. If you're watching this, (laughs) I used it as a source when I have, you know, I'll talk about you later and in the credits. But yeah, I don't want someone to be like, you use my source and then you say I'm not reliable. Like, right. You did a fine job. You just may have fucked up. I am. I feel just so disoriented because these last two theories have just me rethinking my whole life. Right. Well, okay. Additionally, while it is true that the farmer's almanac. So I want to move on really quickly to the point. His point that farmer's almanac doesn't show a storm on that day that the boys went missing. Um, I want to point out that sudden cloudbursts and choppy weather are not uncommon for Florida, Mm -hmm. which, as we learned in this intro, is home to many hurricanes. And also, what would Edward have gained? This is my question. What would Edward have gained from telling this tall tale if it were just like a hoax? Like, Because a hoax implies he's doing it on purpose. Right. If you believe false memory or hallucination, then something fucked up did happen to him and his mind just created this explanation. Hoax implies that he did this on purpose, like he made the whole thing up. So I like don't see what that would have. It's not like he made money from this. Like reporters right. wouldn't even report on his story. Yeah. The only magazine that picked up the story was Fate, which is a super small magazine. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine they paid him very much money, right. especially for a magazine that costs all. 40 cents. Yeah. Yeah. I doubt they even paid him. I, I, I'm sure they didn't. So, Exposure. yeah. So it's like, what could he? It's not like he was trying to become an actor. Mm-hmm. It's not like he. I mean, I can't figure it out. Like, why would he have lied about that? Why would he just make up a hoax? Hmm. And why would a newspaper have published all of those boys' names if they didn't exist? Right. Remember we read that newspaper article? Yeah, exactly. Okay, now we're almost done. We're moving on to theory number six, which is the next slide. A time slip or accidental travel. That's what I think. Natalia, this is what you picked up on earlier. So we talked about time slips at the beginning of this year when Mm -hmm. Natalia did a great episode entitled Episode 58, Time Travel and Paranormal Time Slips. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and play it once you finish this episode because Natalia went really into depth about this concept. So I'm doing like the TLDR of this concept. Essentially, the concept of accidental travel or a time slip refers to a person or group of people accidentally time traveling outside of their normal Mm -hmm. place or time. Is it possible that Edward and his friends somehow entered a portal or parallel universe or thinning of the veil during their rafting trip? This could explain the existence of a species of sea serpent or sea monster that does not exist in our universe, and it could also explain the sudden change in weather that doesn't match our universe's weather records for that day. Examples of this concept in literature include Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, and even an entire anime genre known as isekai. Also, Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine, great example. Accidental time travel. Right. 
classic <laughs> yeah classic shakespearean uh <laughs> script so what what do you think of this theory natalia i mean this is what it strikes me as because it this theory the accidental travel kind of encapsulates all of the theories in one right like that it's like it's like a ghost because it's something from the past mm-hmm. it's um like a hoax almost because it's like not happening in one real it's like real, a gaslight because yeah. it's happening but like in a different universe. Right. It's also PTSD because you're really experiencing mm-hmm. that traumatic event or whatever. It's also like a created fake memory, whatever. A cryptid. Yeah. It's also a cryptid because it's like not in this reality, in this time plane, like an actual animal. Yeah. I feel like this is, this sounds a lot like accidental travel, especially too, if we think about the circumstances that arose, you know, like the air was really still. There was like some sort of change in the environment. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like even the sea change, like there was like a bunch of stuff in the water that wasn't there before. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially just how rapidly everything changed. Right. Like they're out there having a fun ass time, 65 degree weather, perfectly sunny, not Mm -hmm. a cloud in the sky. And then all of a sudden this thick mysterious fog rolls in they can't see in front of them it starts raining there's lightning there's yeah the ocean changes color also that woman waved at them and then she like didn't see i do not trust that that woman i know we always talk about an old lady whispering in your ear yeah as soon as you said that there was an old woman on a boat i was like something fucked up is gonna happen yeah this old woman has a plan and it is evil right right okay now so this is your favorite theory so far so far. Okay. Yeah. So now we get into the final theory, which is the next slide. And this this theory is a natural explanation? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay. What? Now, normally, I don't like these kinds of explanations because they border on the skeptic side of things. Mm-hmm. But when I heard this theory, I thought it was so interesting and so unexpected to me that I think it may actually be my favorite out of all seven theories. And this theory comes from user Northern Sparrow on r slash biology on Reddit. Oh. And they write, quote, in my honest opinion, I think it may be a head on view of the rostrum of a skim feeding North Atlantic right whale. I've seen them myself doing this behavior. Looks astonishingly like a sea serpent. Creepily so. Freaked me out, actually. It rises mysteriously up out of the water, glides along, turns side to side sometimes, sinks back down without a trace. In the right or wrong light, the baleen can look almost invisible, and all you can see is the skinny top apart, which looks remarkably like a neck and head. In fact, a couple years ago, there was a sea serpent report plus a YouTube video of it taken by some excited boaters in Ireland, and it turned out to be a North Atlantic right whale, which are rare now in Ireland but historically used to occur there. In the video, the boaters are totally freaking out about it. The size, 10 feet long and motion rising up, gliding along, sinking back down, matches Edward's description almost perfectly. And North Atlantic right whales do occur off Florida in the month that he saw it, March. Really? They were still quite rare in the 1960s, and we had not yet discovered their calving grounds. Turns out that they calve in Florida, in fact. So it wouldn't have so it would have been a rare enough sighting that Edward wouldn't have known that this was a possible explanation, especially because he had just moved from New York. Although the color does not match his report. North Atlantic right whales are black with patchy white callosites, and the baleen usually looks streaky gray. But he says himself that it was very foggy and stormy and dark when he right. saw the thing, so he may not have gotten the color right. We show the video. You yes. Know, so the next slide is fucking nuts. 
and creepy as shit. What is? I want you to describe this. I can't understand I, what I'm looking at. I can't describe. What is this? Is that? Is it open? I I'm not gonna say anything because I want you to fi- to watch. Uh, oh, that was his mouth. Yes. <sighs> How am I going to describe that? <laughs> it's, it's fucked up. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at, yeah, it's like a giant whale, but it's mouth. Yeah. It's mouth instead of looking like a mouth <laughs> is. It looks like a brachiosaurus, plesiosaurus. Yeah. The way that its mouth is cut is like, like really narrow and long. And so when the top part of the mouth, like, okay, so imagine an alligator, if the top alligator's mouth was like a straw yes. and the bottom part was like a giant bowl. And you can go to the next slide. And the bowl kind of like goes around the mouth. So when it opens up, it kind of like from the front looks like a serpent of some sort. Yes. If the bottom's underneath there, but it's not 10 foot tall. But maybe if you're scared, it looked 10 foot tall. Maybe if it was in a giant wave, like if you're in the bottom of a wave swell. Yeah, like at and the, it's at in the, the trough. Top, yeah. And it's at the top of a wave swell. It could look 10 foot, 10 feet up. Yeah. And also they were young. They were 16. Yeah. So they're not like, you know, fully grown. So maybe to them being smaller and younger, it looked bigger, especially right. in the light and with the lightning and being scared. OK, so this next slide that we're looking at shows where the habitat of the North Atlantic right whale is. I mean, that's right on Florida's coast. That's right on Florida's coast. But this is Pensacola. It's on the it other is. side of the tail. It- but was it just a fucked up one that right. died immediately because it didn't know what it was doing? Good point. And, then, and that's why it ate those people. And the next slide. And whales don't eat people. The next slide. This is a North Atlantic right whale. I guess they frequently, because of the shape of their upper head and their yeah. feeding style, they frequently get tangled in oh, things. This is sad. So some people say, okay, what if it had gotten tangled in a bunch of shit? And that's yeah. why no one recognized it as a whale. And then the next slide is another angle of what it looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. That looks like a... Yeah. Its nose looks like a sea serpent thing. Yes. You guys... Um, watch the YouTube or go or figure I'll Google post right to, whale. Yeah, a North American right whale. And then the next, the next slide just shows um another angle. Yeah. And then the next slide. And also they're trying to get away from this thing. So they're not really getting a clear look at it. Right. Like he's like swimming for his life in the opposite direction. And here's and here's a video of a couple of these whales. Look at these right whales out here. Echelon feeding right So you see how they kind of bob up and down. All over the line, like all high skin feeding is yeah. the only place on the that planet you'll ever like see messy. this happen. And then the next slide is the last video of the North, Atlant- the North Atlantic right whale. Yeah, I mean, if I saw that, I would. I should. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't think it was a whale. Yeah, it does it not look like a whale at all. It looks. Yeah, and in the way that its mouth opens, really does seem. So did it accidentally eat those boys? Like that's the one thing that doesn't make sense. Is like, how did the other people? Right. Well, okay. So I did want to point out. I don't have this in my slides, but. I don't know if you frequent r slash ask reddit, but recently there was a guy who got swallowed by a whale and survived who did and ask me anything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not typical for whales to eat. Like, they literally can't. They can't. They don't have the teeth to be able to right. mash down on humans. I read this. He yes. Was, he was in there for, like, three minutes or something. And yeah, or, I mean, I I don't know how long it was, but, yeah, he was in there and he thought he was going to drown. Right. Because if you don't have 
he had a regulator and that's the only yeah. reason why he didn't drown and so like he he lost it when he got swallowed by the whale but he found it dark. completely dark he found it so he was able to breathe uh because he had scuba gear until the whale spit him out mm -hmm. but he said he thought he was going to drown for the split second he couldn't find his regulator so imagine these boys who don't have any form of diving equipment and what if one of them accidentally got swallowed by this whale that was feeding? Or what if they were just panicked and they yeah. saw this whale, they felt it brush against them, and then they drowned because they were exhausted and panicking? Or I wonder, yeah, I wonder if whatever was on the surface was like some strange algae or like some strange like seaweed plant things that had come in and they got tangled in it or something. Okay, so you this is perfect segue last part of my episode user sdv info question also proposed a theory on r slash unresolved mysteries uh, a theory regarding what that weird crusty stuff on the surface of the water was right he wrote he or she or they wrote quote the dead fish odor and brown slime could have been the whale defecating in the water or possibly just smelling strongly of fish due to its diet. Mm. I think it's likely the boys saw a large and unidentified animal swimming in the water, panicked at the sight of it, drowned, possibly assisted by the undertow that occurred as the whale dove back down underneath the waves. Mm, uh, they're so tired. They're so tired. They're exhausted. It's dark. They can't see. There's fog. And this crusty stuff on the surface could just be whale poop because when whales poop, it literally like floats up. I saw a video of it and it was fucking gross. I don't. I so don't like before I ask for your final opinion, I want to quickly cite my sources um, they're up here on the screen. Rashad, if you can go through, there's four. Um, there's just four slides. And I'm just going to quickly say what they were. So my sources are What's Eating You? Florida's Hungry Sea Serpent Revisited by Michael Newton, published in 2011 to 40 and zoology.blogspot.com. Then skepticforum.com's discussion forum on the case from 2013. An article entitled Wreck of the USS Massachusetts by Ariel Azoff and Kristen Gale. User Dan Peisch on r slash unresolved mysteries in 2020, a post entitled Edward Brian McCleary's Escape from a Sea Monster. E. Lynn Wright's 2012 book Myths and Mysteries of Florida, available on Google Play for just under $14, and I did purchase it for this episode. <laughs> My Escape from a Sea Monster, an article written by McCleary himself for Fate Magazine in May of 1965, volume 18, number 5. Then there's that article by published to the Ocala Star Banner on March 26th of 1962. Brian uh, Edward Brian McCleary's obituary, wreck of the USS Massachusetts, uh, which is just the Wikipedia article on the ship, uh, an article entitled What Drives False Memories in Psychopathology, a Case for Associative Activation by Henry Otgar, Peter Murris, Mark L. Howe, and Harold Merkelbach. And finally, accidental travel article on wikipedia.org and an article published to Psychology Today entitled Trauma, PTSD, and Memory Distortion by Nathan H. Lentz, Ph.D. Natalia, end of the episode. Which theory out of these seven do you like the most? Um, I here's what I think. Also, that little dragon could be a sea serpent, right? Right. I think that Natalia <laughs> has for our audio listeners. Natalia has put all the finger puppets on her fingers and is staring at them. <laughs> um, I like ghost. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pointing to ghost. I also like that it was a sea serpent. That seems real to so, me. So, like, cryptid and ghost. Cryptid and ghost. Um, yeah. At for, Time slip. Um, a, mer a right whale. Uh, a, a hoax. Murder. Or... I think those were all of them, right? I think that I like two theories. And 
I'm trying to decide which one I like better right now. You know, I'm going to say I, I like that time slip prehistoric thing. Yeah. The prehistoric time slip. It oh, makes that would the... be interesting. Like he traveled back to prehistoric times, do you think? Yeah. And oh. that's why he saw that prehistoric animal because oh. there was a time slip. What did oh, you think of the cool. time slip? Well, was? I was just thinking like a parallel universe where those creatures exist and like the veil thinned and they somehow got sucked into that universe oh. for a split second. Oh, that's cool. But what if? But what if it was a prehistoric time slip? We've never yeah, had one of those. I think it was a prehistoric time slip. And it makes like her his friends just got trapped back in it. Yeah. So they just lived out the rest of their life in that place. They washed up ashore on prehistoric Florida. And then maybe all of the people that are in Florida now are their descendants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear uh, Rashad in the background really displeased with this theory. <laughs> no, I, I know that that's not how humans work. Like, didn't we all come from Africa or something? It doesn't Pangea. matter. You know what? It could, We could come from a sea serpent. Who's to say? Yeah. Yeah, uh, evolution is just a theory. Who's to say, as we often say That's on the this show. That's the missing link. The missing link is those is, is Cecil the sea serpent. <laughs> is that what you're saying? No, I was going to say that those boys who got uh, time traveled and then ended up in prehistoric Florida, which what I don't think was probably on the ocean at that time. No, definitely not. Yeah. Because that kind of messes with my theory. Okay, then. so but moving on to my theory. But what if they got time traveled to a different location so it wasn't Florida? Perfect. So they just died. Now we figured it Are out. Are you happy, Rashad? They just died? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Natalia, are you ready to do our sign-off? I am. Um, BRB, got to go time travel to prehistoric Florida and start the human race. Bye. Bye.